Good morning, Sheila. Hey, Rand. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good this morning. Good. Did you get moved? No, that's going to happen. I've got to do lots of things before that's going to happen. I've got to sell a house. i got to find a place to move into. And <laughs> uh -huh. Lots of things to do. And there's more repairs to do to the house yet to get it ready to sell, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of in the process of getting mine sold, too. So I feel you. Uh, I'm 100%. I know <laughs> so much to do. Yeah, Sheila, I've used this browser only to log in as a student, yet it logged me in as Jennifer. Oh. Yeah. Did you uh, enter your Carla information? No, I just clicked on the link because I've never used this browser to log in as Jennifer. Okay, then it means that you're still signed into the other one, friend. You'll just need to go into Zoom and sign out. Okay. Sorry, Carla. During Zoom, we're all learning so much, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so how are you feeling, Rand? Well, uh, you know, I have my ups and downs, and I don't focus on it too much for the most part. And uh, try to remember it's just my illusionary body that's causing me issues. And I just uh, try to focus on awakening and uh, staying prayerful. Uh, I'm working with Jennifer right now to do going through all of her blogs. So I'm rereading all the daily blogs and categorizing them and uh, getting inspired while I read them. And uh, so I get a side benefit. I get an extra benefit reading the darn things again. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I, I read those and do the prayer. I try and do it every day because I just love it. Good. I need to get better in that habit of doing that. Um, there's a lot of things on my plate, but there's certainly room for that one to be added as well. I think you're right. Well, I tell you, it's a conscious choice that I've made, and I don't get it perfect every day, of course, but it is a goal to do it every day, and I have found a huge difference in my life doing it, but it mm -hmm. still feels laborious sometimes, so I release that, you know, all the <laughs> daily practices, but I'm committed to them, right? <laughs> you listen to the prayers, is that right? I get the email, so I read the blog and then listen to the prayers. Hey, Ron. Wow. Hi, Ron. Good morning, buddy. He's still on the mute level there. Well, I will aspire to that. Another thing I want to do is start getting in and doing the... Uh... So grateful, so thankful to open our hearts and minds to the highest possibility of love flowing through our heart, our mind, our life, our conversations, our relationships, every cell, function, and fiber of the body temple. We are vibrating with that beauty that love that peace that harmony that joy that is our true and fundamental nature we are grateful to join together for remembering our true identity is the mighty i am that i am it is the i am presence we are grateful and thankful to recognize our true identity is the great race we are grateful and thankful to consciously dedicate our conversation together as a divine dialogue that is healing and nourishing us, that it is permanently lifting our vibration. 
And we are grateful to share the benefits of our healing, our expansion, our divine dialogue with everyone because we are one with them. So grateful and thankful that we've joined together for the purpose of remembering our holiness and perfection. We have everything we need to be healed. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. All right. So I'd just love to start us off with, uh, did anybody have any ahas or realizations or miraculous healing over the uh, last week, the resurrection week, the holy week? You can wave if you need me to unmute you. All right, no ahas, no nothing. All right. Well, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Carl, go ahead. Well, I just, actually, I don't know if it was the last week I've been doing a lot of healing all month. Right, and it was just an experience that um, I would. I I heard this noise, and someone was digging the plant next door, trying to you know save it, I guess. And I walked out, and I go, "Oh, great! You're trying to save the plant, right?" And he said, and he, I guess he wasn't very happy <laughs> to be doing it because he says, "No, I'm trying to kill it," <laughs> or something, and. I just noticed the difference that I didn't, it didn't, I saw that he was not happy, right? And that it was, you know, it's where he was. And I didn't, I didn't affect me at all. I don't think it was, I don't even know if it was last week, but this happened just recently. That, um, and I, I said, you know, I think that plant's over 25 years old. And he goes, no, it's over 100 years old. And I'm like, I think. This guy is just not happy, and and I it didn't know, but I just something said just walk inside and leave him alone to his unhappiness. <laughs> it's not going to affect me and my happiness at all. And I just went inside. It was just interesting, really. Uh, I don't think I've I've, I've kind of taken on a lot of energy from other people before, and I just felt really healing. Beautiful. Beautiful. If you had it to do over again, is there anything you notice you do? Well, the only thing would be never to engage with him. I could see initially he was not happy, right? And I still engaged with him. And it, it, I think engaging, um, I don't know, because... All I know is it seemed to magnify his emotion because then, then he expressed it to me and it really, I felt like it just magnified even more. And so I guess the only do-over would be that once I saw it, I would notice it and I didn't, I saw it, I didn't not choose to engage, I chose to engage because that was already in my intent. I walked outside intending to engage. Right. 
And I did that. And I saw that. Intending to engage how? Just say something. For what purpose? That's a good point. Um, I don't think I thought of that. Tune, tune within. Because we always, we've got something going on. We might not be consciously attuned to it, but just see if you can remember what it might have been. I think the only thing I remember is that there's, this is also the plant that my neighbor took part of that we're a lot of people, seemed a lot of people were concerned about its survival, right? And so I was really happy that he was doing something to preserve it, right? And so that was, I think that's where I was coming from. Gratitude. So again, let's just turn within here. Let's all do it together because we're one with each other. So we're one with Carla and the experience. And as you are deciding to engage with this man, if you had it to do over again, where is there anything that you, you might have chosen differently oh yeah i know i know already that um i think i noticed the statement i said oh, are you that that it was i thought it, oh that's kind of a silly thing to say but i'm like i'm like i'm letting go of that thought right i probably would have said so i would probably would have come from that that gratitude that oh i'm so happy that you're doing something to save that plant as opposed to what I said. So what did you say again? I said, oh, I said something like, um, oh, you're, are you, I, I asked him a question, so it required a response. To, oh, oh, you're trying to save the plant or something like that? Instead of saying, just speaking for myself. So I was like eliciting a response from him instead of just saying, oh, I'm so grateful that you're, doing something to preserve that plant's life or something like that. So what, I mean, he wouldn't have responded. I don't think it would have agitated him so much. And, um, um, and I, I remembered from the seven sacred flames that do not stir brother, see emotions or that, that will come back upon you. And I was like, Oh, this is it <laughs> right here, right yeah. here. Yeah. Can you say that again, Carla? Say it again. I don't remember the whole thing. I had it here with me. It's like stir not a brother's sea of emotions or it'll come back upon you or something like that. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I'm so familiar with that experience. I used to have that experience about a hundred times a day because my protection was my ability to provoke people to make them feel bad and wrong. That's how I used to feel safe. Mm. Yeah. Are there are there times though that um, that you are potentially going to stir somebody else's emotions uh, and there's, there's not a whole lot that you can do about that. So I'm dealing with a current business situation where 
a client has been um, extremely overzealous in calling us about lots of different questions uh, and uh, well, we are, our business agreement, our exchange agreement is set up to allow for a certain specific amount of time. And the reason that we put that uh, language in there was for people that would kind of go on and on and on and either not listen to what we're doing, but we're just saying that we're kind of a free service to give out any and all information as at any time in any place. Obviously you can't do that as a business. We have a set fee for what we charge and our set fee is a base base fee that uh, includes a certain amount of time. And so I sent her an email just kindly uh, telling her that, uh, you know, she's kind of exceeded that time limit. We haven't charged her for any of that at this point in time. Uh, but, uh, you know, going forward, uh, that, um, you know, additional things came up that we had to address that we would have to put her, you know, put her on the billable hour. Now, I, I knew good and well there was a reasonable chance that was not going to make her feel good. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was something that was necessary. Um, so now for me, with the way I, I view that is that as, and she came back with actually a fairly terse, terse email. And to me, I'm not rising to the occasion or anything like that. I'm not buying into any of that. I'm just, you know, I appreciate her point of view. Uh, you know, maybe we're not the best company for her to work with in the future. I, you know, I respect that. Um, but it doesn't, you know, it's not coming back on me in any way from a, a negative perspective, but it was something that we needed to address. At least I felt we needed to address. Yeah, when people have buttons, they are going to magnetically attract the button pushers so that they can get some relief and deinstall the buttons. Well, I've decided a while back that not, not all clients were built to, uh, made to particularly work with us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think everyone who's ever been in business knows that, you know, like Sheila's nodding her head. <laughs> she knows not every client is ideally suited for her or her for them. I'm sure, Deb, you feel the same way. And uh, Rand, as a doctor, I'm sure you found that to be true. Diane, in your work, certainly Liz in her work, me and mine, that's, and there's, that's fine. But when we have the people pleaser uh, button, right, that, that will disturb our peace. So um, uh, in year two, we've been talking about the Enneagrams and it's been uh, really wonderful to have Rosalind, an expert, to teach us about the Enneagrams. I decided not to do it last year and maybe to just do it every other year. We'll see. But um, uh, does anybody uh, have, I, I find that twos and ones and nines tend to be people pleasers. I'm less familiar with the three, four, the threes and the fours. I don't have many threes or fours in my life that I'm aware of. Does anybody recognize that they have in their patterns of people pleasing? 
Anybody? Because a lot of spiritual people do. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Fall off her chair laughing so hard. Right? So, when you, what, what did you say, Deb? When you said before, the peeper, people, those that have people pleaser button have their peace disturbed by that, that being what? That, I missed that connection. Somebody that's not pleased. I see, anybody that's, yeah. Ron's client was not pleased. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm having that issue right now. Yeah, and, and there's quite, there's a, a majority of the population really do feel that it's somebody else's job to make them happy, to solve their problems, to make them feel loved, uh, appreciated, all that stuff. Yeah, so how do you deal with that kind of person? What, how can I? Yeah, I think a sledgehammer works really well. I didn't hear you. I said, I think a sledgehammer works well. <laughs> they back away. Uh, well, let's, let's take a minute to get into that because we're spirits leading us there. Sheila, you were going to share about your people pleasing. Yes, ma'am. I kind of wanted to, to go back to what Carla was saying about interrupting people's energies or I, I do that, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, people around me in a bad mood, I'm always the one that seems to be the teaser to to try and get that out and i realize that i do that naturally it's not something that i say oh they're in a bad mood or they're mad or they're upset i think i learned that working in the er when everybody was angry and upset and hurt when they came in it was always my my nature to just try and make them better so how is that as far as interrupting people's energy you know yeah. as carla was saying so my sense for for me and i could be just um totally projecting but uh, you and i are both eights on the enneagram and so i just like i used to um use it to attack people to belittle them to frighten them to intimidate them now it's the opposite i I use the interruptions of the patterns and my skills to invite people back into their heart to make them feel self safe and welcome. But to me, it's just the high end or the low end of the same spectrum. Mm -hmm. So, um, so for instance, um, uh, Donald Trump is an eight or appears certainly appears to be an eight. So you can see how he, will um, just tweet out something to try and disable people, to attack them, to um, uh, put them on the defense, right? And um, whereas the high side of the eight would do it to put them at ease, to help them feel safe, to uh, be that loving presence. But it's to me, it's the same uh, tactic, just used in two very, very different ways. And all my years of seeing how I could, if someone was vulnerable, I could reduce them very quickly to feeling angry, upset, frightened, insecure, whatever it was that I was wishing upon them or, you know, 
and um, but and and now I see that I can align with them and you could say pull them up or get underneath them and and support them. But the people pleasing, right? So when we, you know, I I um I spent the weekend with David Hoffmeister, among others, and um, in <clears throat> David's community. They have two rules, no people pleasing and no private thoughts. And so the no private thoughts is really that full recognition that you share the same mind. There are no private thoughts. And uh, what they do is they are constantly purging their um, thoughts. So they will publicly on a daily basis say, you know, gosh, I'm so angry at Dave, you know, I just, I just wanted to strangle him with my bare hands, you know, they'll speak openly and honestly about whatever's going on in their mind. And um, that, that's just the way of their community. I, I'm not advocating for that, but that's what they do. Um, uh, uh, that's, you know, it wouldn't be for everybody, but that's their method. And then um, with no people pleasing, it's, it's about being authentic. You know, I, I don't really wish to do that or I'm not going to be codependent with you. So let's just turn within here for a moment and just see if we can identify an area of our life experience where currently we can see, oh, we're people pleasing. And what does that look like? Where is that happening? That we're, we're doing things just to please the people so that they are happier with us, so that they will praise us, so that they will appreciate us, so that they will like us, so they will validate us. Where are we doing that? So it's, it's the classic giving to get, people pleasing is giving to get. And what is it that we think we get in return? What is it we're giving and what is it we think we're getting in return or we hope to get in return? And then let's let spirit show us the vision of what the difference would be if we no longer operated from that pattern. We didn't do anything to please anyone. We just follow our heart. And can we tell the difference? What is the difference between following our heart and people pleasing? And wherever we're people-pleasing, can we see any evidence that people don't like it, don't accept it, don't value it? If it does it in any way irritate anyone?
then just giving the patterns to the Holy Spirit for healing, laying them on the altar. And breathing deeply and allowing ourselves to expand into a life without people pleasing. Where we don't hold the belief that we must please people in order to get along, in order to be loved, in order to feel safe. But none of that is necessary. I'm going to invite Lord Sananda, who is Jesus in his last incarnation, to show us how it felt for him to be with the apostles who might have had people pleasing all over them, trying to please him. And how did he work with them? We're just downloading a teaching on that here. Allowing it to come into our field of how to be so masterful that the people pleasing is not part of our energetic anymore. And then where is there somebody in our life trying to please us? in order to manipulate us, in order to get something from us. How does that feel? How are we working with that? Are we rejecting them? Are we manipulating them right back? How does it feel to be enmeshed with people pleasers, to be the recipient of the people pleasing. And again, just feeling into the energetic of how Jesus worked with that. So that he could always be in integrity with the apostles and the people around him. The ones who were giving to get, the ones who were needy. How did he demonstrate not needing, not wanting, not manipulating, not being manipulatable. So downloading that awareness that within our being is that perfect pattern of interdependency without manipulation. Just allowing it to expand into our heart and mind, replacing any sense of people-pleasing or neediness. And then again, just breathing so deeply, recalibrating, giving thanks that we don't have to make anything happen. 
you can call it forth and receive it. So grateful. I'm going to give you uh, a couple minutes here to make some notes for yourself. Jennifer, my doorbell rang and I had to leave for a second. What are we doing? Uh, just making notes from the meditation. Okay. So another minute.
So I'm going to uh, do the breakout, break you out into pairs. So when the, and for 10 minutes, so you'll each have about five minutes to share and to harvest more from this experience. So remember when the breakout happens, you have to accept it. You have to say yes to it. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, do the breakout now. Here we go. Wait a minute. Rand, do you see that there's a, a button there for you to press join? Rand, do you see a, a message for you to join?
Maybe we weren't supposed to leave. Nope, yeah. nope. It's we're, we're just waiting on the rest of the people. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. They may not. Was it easy for you in the breakout to figure out how to end it? Uh, I'm used to having little things pop up saying you have 30 seconds left or something like that. That's what I'm used to seeing. Um, and it was um, my partner there that said, oh, there's something in the bottom right-hand corner. And I looked down and said, I'll leave meeting. I said, well, well, maybe you're supposed to do that. I sent a message to everybody that there were two minutes left. Did anybody see that? Okay. And then uh, I sent a message saying it's time to come back. Yeah. All right, let me just... Uh, so we're waiting on Sean. Okay. Oh, I see. If I close the rooms, you get 60 seconds. So, all right. So this was really deep, I felt. Really, really deep to look at these patterns. And um, so what did you learn? Go ahead, Sheila. Okay, so I had something I had never even looked at before Rand kind of pulled it out. We were talking about how I have to have my house a certain way if people are coming and my family never just pops by or, you know, they, no one just comes to my home without a text saying, hey, we're on the way, we're coming by or whatever, because my house, I want it to look a certain way. So we were saying the cable guy was coming and I'm like, is he coming in the house? So then the whole house has to be clean for the cable guy to come. And Rand's like, that's what is the fear of being judged? And yeah, absolutely. I think it is. And that is a very big people pleasing. Cause like my daughter's coming in the whole house has to be spotless. Right. Although her house isn't, and she probably would never care. So that definitely is a fear of judgment, I think, or not wanting to be judged. So I'm people pleasing for that. So you know how the judger always feels judged. <laughs> yeah. so we, we judge ourselves as uh, not being a, a good housekeeper or thinking that if our house isn't a certain way that we're we're bad, then that that'll motivate that behavior. Yeah, Frank doesn't care. I was telling Rand, he's like, "Oh, it's the cable guy. Just let him come. Who cares if it's messy?" And <laughs> I want to be that person. <laughs> Thank you for that, Rand. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So who are we pleasing in that instance? Are we really pleasing other people? No, I think there's some self-pleasing that goes on as well in this as opposed to just pleasing other people. We're doing it to make ourselves feel better, I think. And which self are we pleasing? The ego. It's always the ego always gets us into trouble, doesn't it? <laughs> Small self, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's where I, I have found that if I, if I have the intention to live as though everyone is watching every choice I make, then my whole life has less judgment in it because I'm really focusing on choosing the higher loving choice. Because the ego looks for all kinds of ways to make us feel bad and wrong and hide. 
Like, oh, you gotta hide that. Yep. Great. Anybody else learn anything? Ran? Well, as I was talking to Sheila, um, I uh, people please with my spouse so much of the time. And I have a long track record of multiple spouses over the years. And I usually choose those with volcanic, uh, volcanic tempers. And the people pleasing is to keep the temper from not going off, you know. Oh. And so I wonder how authentic I am in my relationships because of that. I think that I'm people pleasing even in my primary relationship. So what I, I, I felt as you were talking about that, Rand, is it's like walking a tightrope, you know, that you um, are, are, trying to, are trying to find that way to walk through the field without stepping on a landmine. And that, you know, there's some way that the ego feels superior or um, successful or something by being able to navigate that kind of a thing. It's, I think you might be right on to it because that's what I do. I'm, I'm picking my words carefully and uh, uh, I, I know there are things I can't talk about because it's just going to make such a, a big, huge uproar. It's not a good way to live. I really want to change that. I really want to start living authentically through the heart and uh, stop people pleasing. Yeah. So what's, uh, what would be, so what would be the thing that your ego wouldn't like if people were not pleased with you all the time? What would that mean to the ego? I want to be liked by everybody. And so there's going to be people that won't like me. And I will say things that will cause them not to like me. And I, and I can accept that now, which I probably couldn't have accepted that a year ago or two years ago. I think that's where the ego comes in wanting to be liked all the time mm -hmm. by everybody, which yeah. is an impossible task. Well, and the other thing is, is that if we're not showing our true self, who is it that they like? The people pleaser. Yeah. And so they don't like you anyway, because they don't see you or know you. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing, you know, when you've developed relationships over the years and they're all people pleasing relationships, I guess you just have to let the chips fall where they may if you stop people pleasing and, and see where it goes. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, for me, the, what I did with my family, it was different. It wasn't about people pleasing. It was about being judgmental. And you may have heard me talk about this. Yeah. Uh, in my late 20s, I realized, you know, around the time I felt suicidal that I had to change the way I was living. And so I didn't want to be sarcastic and judgmental anymore. And so I told my family, I said, look, I'm making a change here. I don't want to attack myself anymore. And I do not wish to be in relationship with people who are judging me, attacking me, being sarcastic towards me, uh, complaining at me. 
judging me. I, I, I just want to get all that out of my life. So uh, I'm, I'm just letting you know that, you know, it's up to you. You may or may not wish to shift how we relate, but I am going to start to say, hey, that doesn't feel loving to me. That doesn't feel kind to me. Can we, can we just start the conversation again? I'm going to start to say things like that to try and recalibrate here. And um, again, it's up to you. you. You don't have to go with me on this journey. However, I, just, you, I, I do need everybody to know that I'm really moving to the place where the only people who are in my life are the people who are really genuinely loving and respectful to me all of the time. And I said, and I am not that way to myself all the time. So I am learning to be that way to myself all the time. And I and my 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 immediate family, you know, felt a bit burdened by this initially, and uh, but it, and in my defensiveness, okay, my fear that they wouldn't um, go with me, and and uh, my insecurity, I I did a thing where I said. And, and listen, you know, we just have to remember that our relationships, while we'll always be related, our actual relationships are completely optional because we're all adults now, you know, so we don't have to spend time together. We don't have to talk or, or have any connections whatsoever. And I, I did say to my parents that I hope that you will recognize that you have raised me to have enough self-esteem that I'm not going to let people treat me badly anymore including you. And um, it took a couple of years, but our entire family recalibrated. We used to be very snarky with each other, sarcastic, critical, condescending, judgmental, and all of that really faded. And um, we had some tough times last summer kind of related to changes with my father and my stepmother. But prior to that, we could actually spend uh, eight or nine, ten days together, no one, all in the same house, you know, and jammed in together in, in, you know, one house with 10 or 11 people, and nobody's complaining, nobody's judging, nobody's being sarcastic. It's just not happening. Nothing. You know, and um, I, I think that's miraculous. And I, I, I really saw how it rippled out from my heart. So the same is true, Rand, with the people pleasing that when you stop, when you take total responsibility for trying to manipulate people, because that, that's what people pleasing is, you will find that your relationships actually will be far more harmonious. That was one of the parts of the meditation is when somebody's trying to people please you, right? Do you recognize it? How do you feel when that's going on? Anybody, do you want to start us off on that, Rand? <sighs> you know, I notice it sometimes and um, I don't know if I responded in an appropriate manner. I think I just, I go with it at this point. I haven't yet uh, learned yet to do that. That's the So your step. people pleaser wants to please their people pleaser. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, if I, I run into someone who wants to people please me, 
I'm happy to play along right now. <laughs> so I may have, that's the next thing to change. Yeah, that's good awareness. Yeah, I, I'm aware of it, but I haven't yet uh, made the switch over to being authentic in the face of people pleasing. Right. So how, do you, how does that show up? How do you be authentic? And if someone's trying to people please you, um, well, I'm trying to understand a circumstance of what you would say to let them know you're wanting them to be more authentic. Is that what you're saying? Me or Rand? Yeah, I, whoever. <laughs> um, I think I just more or less have to come at it from a open heart perspective as opposed to an ego perspective and then let the chips fall where they may. You know, and I, I think it's going to be different in every circumstance, Ron, because, you know, as a spiritual teacher and a leader, a speaker, uh, I do find sometimes in like on a retreat situation or a workshop situation or where I'm going somewhere to give a talk that there might be someone or even just generally in class that there might be someone who's just trying to bend over backwards to make me happy. And, uh, and then, of course, I encounter people who just are truly interested in being of service and being truly helpful. And so the difference that I feel is one is trying to give me something. One is trying to get something from me. They're trying to get my approval versus trying to support me. Um, and so uh, I used to, when people would try to please me, I felt an aversion to it. I used to feel an aversion to it because um, I was judging it. I used to have a very strong aversion to insecure people. And it was just me rejecting myself because I had a lot of insecurity. And I see you, Carla. I'm just going to finish my thought. Um, and so uh, what, I, what I really can tell you is that um, I find, like Rand was saying, connecting from the heart and really saying, you know, I see you, I, I get you. In, it doesn't have to be those words, but just really looking at them in the eye, you know, really taking that time to connect with them heart to heart and say, I, I, I really see that you are doing everything you can to make my day great, to make my experience comfortable. And oftentimes what I find is people will um, try that somehow they think it's better if they can completely anticipate my every need or want or desire. And, um, and they have a set thing in their mind of what I should need or want or desire. And because they're not in tune and so I'll just say, so here's what I'd like. You know, I see that you'd like to help me and support me. So here's what will work well for me. I'd like this. I'd like that. I'd rather not have this. I'd rather not have that. And, um, you know, and, and making it clear that they don't have to provide it all, but just if they would like to support me and to provide for me, 
I'm willing to receive, and these are my preferences. And that I find actually kind of helps them to relax and be more in the moment with me and be more connected to my heart and then less thinking that um, they've got to magically figure everything out and anticipate everything. And there's less risk for them that they're going to fail. So then they start to relax and stop being in fear and be more connected in that flow of love. But you see, I, I had to learn how to do that because I had to feel really, I had to love myself enough to be truly receptive to people providing for me. Because I used to feel that it was important for me, and this is very much an eight thing, that I'm the provider, I'm the one that gives, I don't take anything from anybody because then I will owe them. And that was a very strong pattern in my family is my parents, you know, from time to time and starting when I was six years old, they were like, Oh no, everything in this house, including all your clothes, everything is ours. We let you use it. And that was just like, Oh, okay. And they thought that they were trying to get me to have more respect for um, them is the authority, but what it just made me feel at, at five years old, six years old, is I, I don't want to owe you anything. You are manipulators, and um, I have to be, I have to get independent as quick as I can. So um, I had a, I've had a real journey to become uh, receptive, and you know, and receptivity is all about receiving from God. Because no matter what channel it comes through, there's only one source. So that's been part of my journey with it. Carla. Nope. I'm going to unmute you, Carla. Go I, ahead. I don't know if I need to speak, but just while you're talking, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's why my hand is going up. It's not that I need to really share about all this, but uh, it's just that what I've been experiencing has been exactly what you're talking about and, my, and a little bit of what I shared with Deb. And um, is that, and especially when you talked about the aversion, that I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's where I was like really disturbed because they, as they were trying to tell me what to do. Or what, you know, and I saw what you were talking about, that she just wanted me to participate in whatever she wanted me to do. And she was just doing things to get me to do that, right? And I I, I don't know, it, it just seemed to all work out. But um, so it's just that's the only reason why my hand kept going up is because I was like, oh, it's me, it's me, it's happening right now. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? What else have you learned about people pleasing and the patterns that recognizing them? I really related to when you said people want you to make them happy because that, that just, I just saw my sister all over that. And, and I have that pattern of trying to make people happy and I, but I've really withdrawn from her because I know I can't, and because there's, it's only a one way, it feels only one way. And then when you asked about 
how does it feel when somebody's people pleasing you? I flashed to one of my patients, one of my clients, and she's all sometimes she's overly grateful, I guess I would say, and overly complimentary. And I it feels gooey. That was the word that came up. It feels gooey, sticky, and I just put it back to her. I connect, like you said, heart to heart and eye to eye. I realized I'm doing that, but I also say for her, she's you're doing the work. I might be holding the space. I might be facilitating, but you're doing the work, and I want, I want you to understand you're doing it. And this is why it's changing, you know. And then she tends to chill a little bit, or I don't know what the word is, but, you know, not, she gets it. She. So you, you brought up so much richness here, Deb. So the sticky, ooey, gooey, where do you think it comes from? Well, I guess I would see that as an, I'm going to put it this way, like an energetic puking to try and connect, to get, because she's scared, this particular person has cancer history, and I mean, the work we did together did help her tremendously, but she got chemo and other traditional things. It's never just me, but she feels... I think she's scared and it's her way to stay connected or something. I don't so know. So doesn't feel like she's trying to manipulate you to... Well, I think she wants to make sure that I continue to help her. And I am and I will, you know. I mean, just because the cancer's gone doesn't mean the pattern's gone. And so we're working with the pattern partly, which is to empower her so she doesn't feel so dependent on other people for her well-being. So if any client started saying to you, you know, Deb, these sessions are so helpful to me. I really feel the difference because of the work we're doing. It's uh, just making a profound difference in my life in so many different ways. And I am so, so grateful the opportunity to work with you and I, I feel so grateful for the healing that's happening. If any client said that to you, would it have that effect on you? No, because other people do say that, but it's a different energetic. Mm -hmm. It's a it's more authentic instead of giving to get, I guess. You know, I, I don't think that the, my client that does it is even conscious mm -hmm. that that's why she's doing it. It actually might be a great conversation to have with her because she would be willing. She's very receptive to that kind of delve, delving. No, I have other clients that say that, and it's completely it's okay. I don't have the same response. Yeah, it feels clean, it feels clear, pure. Yeah, exactly. I have the same thing all the time with people in my classes. 
and I noticed, I noticed more and more over the years that the people who are sharing that kind of thing, they have no intention to manipulate me. That they're just sharing their love, their appreciation, their gratitude. Yeah. And there's always a challenge. Um, well, it's not necessarily a challenge, but when someone wants to give credit to you, then, or to me, then it, I, I feel like when Jesus walked the earth and someone would say, thank you for my healing, Jesus, and he would say, why thank me? Your faith is what made you whole. I have the words. Stood with you and knew that your faith could make you whole. Yeah, the words that I got when you were taking us through that was, and I saw this particular client was, Take up thy bed and walk. Just have faith in yourself and the process. Not me. Don't put right. your faith in me. Right. Yeah. I think. But I think that can be a natural tendency of people that uh, that uh, can be that are codependent. Uh, that they try to establish, trying to establish a codependency with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I've got a sister that's kind of that when I've watched that that kind of that kind of pattern. Yeah, uh, uh, most people are going to find some way to be codependent with you. Because that's the way of the world. Mm-hmm. Giving to get is the way of the world. But the more we are comfortable in not doing that, the more we attract people who are also of the same vibration. Because like attracts like. So if someone comes in your life that's kind of that that in that has that pattern of behavior, and you just hold just hold to your to your loving self and not engage with and and be part of the dance, I guess in a way, is that that's the key, right? Yeah, and and to get to that place, it's really to have no judgment about it. And not feeling a need to fix it, not making it bad, not making it wrong, not making it anything. Just knowing everything is perfect just as it is. Because it really, it's our thinking, our judgments that kind of hold them, hold that there, right? Yeah, yeah, it amplifies it. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Sure. Well, we've talked about this before, and I was on a call this morning where this kind of came up. Um, so, okay, so don't, don't engage, but still at some point, I mean, there, there's still engagement that is needed just to, when you're around other people. Uh, and for me, one of the things that I've been challenged with is I can hold that space uh, at times for them uh, through a ho'oponopono and seeing them in the right light, but they're sensing from me a certain amount of detachment um, and so I guess I'm a little curious about, um, you know, how do you engage, uh, in situations like that, uh, and you're, you're not spurring them on, you're not feeding their ego frenzy, uh, but you are honestly engaged and, but still holding them in that light. Yeah, exactly. 
that that's being really masterful, isn't it? To be able to do that. <laughs> I, no, yeah, really. I'm, 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 I'd like to know. I'd like to know, Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing is we we watch ourselves. Where am I triggered? Where am I pulling back and thinking, ugh, bad? You know, putting up a boundary. You know, this is why I understand all the conversation about boundaries, but still energetically as a spiritual being, boundaries does not feel good to me. So what does feel good to me is to be able to have spiritual sovereignty, as Venerable speaks of it, that spiritual sovereignty that this is the kingdom, this is my domain, where I am the, the king or the queen of my domain, and um, I'm the ruler. I am is the ruler of my realm. And so that I put the I am in charge rather than the ego. So the ego will start to think, well, you're trying to manipulate me, so I'm going to do this. The strategizing, you see, the ego is always strategizing because then there's no room for spirit because the ego is trying to think ahead and strategize. But if we can stay spiritually connected with the I am presence, then in each moment, it's I'm here only to be truly helpful. And the one who sent me will guide me of what to say, what to do, where to go in every moment. And it's really, really, truly trusting that. And so that that's a, in a sense, it's a skill that we learn. In a, a closer, really, it's the, the natural way of being that we remember. So the more we do it, the more that sense memory returns. We recognize our naturalness in being um, spiritually sovereign. In the class with Venerable yesterday, she gave a good example of this, of when the two-year-old doesn't, does, it, does anybody on the class yesterday? Yeah, so do you remember she was talking about the two-year-old who doesn't want to go down for the nap and has got all these reasons and excuses and trying to manipulate or whatever, right? That's, that's standard, you know? Um, and uh, she said that the way to work with that is just to say nothing and to just stand there holding the space for the two-year-old to finally go, all right, I guess I'm going to take a nap now. Now it's their choice, right? And um, that it just, it's, it's, I remember she gave another example of the same kind of thing maybe six, seven years ago where uh, someone was asking the same question. What do you do when somebody's doing their dance all around you trying to get you to engage with them, you know, in a, a passive aggressive or whatever way? And she said, well, I see she, she lives with uh, a wolf, Wolfie, and, um, and a bulldog, Hank. And they're both sweet as pie. But when Hank was a puppy, she said that, um, that she'd be sitting there by the fire at night and Wolfie would be laying there uh, and, and uh, Hank, uh, this you know, bulldog puppy, would start jumping on Wolfie trying to engage Wolfie to play, right? And the, the, the Hank would just keep jumping on Wolfie and jumping on Wolfie. But Wolfie just didn't move, just didn't engage at all. And so what, Hank would just be like, oh, I guess we're all just going to sit by the fire and chill now and would give up, you know? So that's it. Is It's really... The, the ego will try to engage, try to fix, because the ego sees something is wrong. 
right? You always see something is wrong. And this, this is the spiritual teaching of the masters. It's in the sacred flames. It's in A Course in Miracles. It's in everything because it's true, which is when we no longer see anything is wrong, we will see how perfect it is. So we don't have to uh, control or manipulate anything. We can just allow spirit. So, um, and this was something that in your last community call, uh, it came through really strongly to me is that it's just about allowing. So uh, particularly when Elena was uh, talking about um, her experience of her business growing because she was doing I am the resurrection and the life of my business and so her business was expanding and growing and and flourishing and it's really about allowing and I, I did a class on this a couple of weeks ago in year one I think it was the final prayer power class so the week before last maybe or the week before that and I was saying that that yeah, maybe it was three weeks ago. Uh, I was saying that it's it's really about being able to allow, 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 allow. And um, when we don't trust, when we don't have faith, then we won't allow. And what I was saying is that in order to, uh, and I was saying that there there is a spiritual law of allowance, right? So you can have the law of cause and effect, you can have the law of, um, what do they call it? Law of attraction, which I really think of as the law of projection, but the law of attraction, and uh, there's the law of allowance. So the law of allowance is a higher law than the law of attraction. So the law of attraction is like attracts like. But the law of allowance is you're, you're in more in that zero state of uh, really being in the create, creative state. Of course, miracles would really say that you're in, creating with God, uh, not manifesting and demonstrating in a um, projection way, but really in your, your literally creating. And uh, that is the law of allowing. It's being in that flow of love and creation. And so... When we are trying to fix things and make things happen, we have, don't have faith. We think it's up to us. So when someone comes to us and we think we need to please them in any way, we don't have faith. Our faith is in the ego's ability to discern what will please this person and make them happy. And so every time we go into people-pleasing, we are not choosing faith, we're not choosing love, we're choosing separation in the ego. So then the not people pleasing, but being authentic becomes a great, it, it's a great motivator for us because it's part of our spiritual awakening is to stop people pleasing. So as spiritual beings where we value harmoniousness so much and peace so much, there can become a great conflict inside where we say we want the peace of God, but we're actually trying to manipulate the situations and circumstances to appear peaceful. But it's not actually the peace of God. And that's, you know, Rand really spoke uh, well about that in his examples. Does this 
You following me here? So if we can see that, oh, I'm choosing separation when I'm choosing people pleasing. Because I'm not trusting uh, love. I'm not trusting in God to lead, guide, and direct me. I'm trying to figure out how to make someone happy when I know on an intellectual level it's not ever going to really be possible. So what we're trying to do in that moment is to create the illusion of peace and harmoniousness. But it's not real. It's not true. So it's not healing. It's not expansive. That's pretty profound. I never saw it that way before. It's extremely profound. And uh, a lot of the, like, does everybody in this group know what your number is on the Enneagram? So Sheila, I know you've said you're an eight. Carlos is six. I think I'm a six. A six. I'm a seven. Sean's a seven. I'm a one. Who's a one? Deb? Mm -hmm. Liz? You don't know? Liz? Well, I, I would encourage you to, um, to listen to the year two classes on the Enneagrams and the community calls. Rosalind was really an expert on the Enneagram. She's really studied it, and she studied it from a very spiritual perspective. I think what she's been sharing, it, she's really been teaching. It's been quite beautiful. I've learned a lot from Rosalind because I am not an Enneagram expert. Um, are, you saying, are you saying Indian Indian no. gram? Enneagram. 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 Yeah, can you see Sheila? Yes, yes, now? yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm not I'm not in this. Yeah. So Rosalind, so it's it's a well you can listen to those classes. I won't go over all that. She did a lot in the community call last night too. A yeah. lot. <clears throat> I haven't listened to last night's call, but last week. Uh, yeah. in the community call last week too. All right. So I, I find that that's very helpful. You know, um, so uh, oftentimes people who are uh, deeply spiritual, they go down a long road of people pleasing. And then they also um, simultaneously, of course, walk the shadow path of uh, constantly being disappointed. And it's it's tremendous amount of energy, tremendous amount of energy. But the thing is, is it's a great learning. It's a great learning. It's not, it's, no mistakes can be made, right? We just choose how we choose to learn. And, um, you know, so grateful that we're at this point where we're not interested in learning to pain anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think what um, Rosalind is sharing about the wings and the arrows is really helpful. Yeah. And um, 
uh, I, I also really think that uh, all these these the things about the one of the I'll just say share this one more thing about the Enneagram. I love how Rosalind shares, um, and this has helped me. I, uh, with this is one of the reasons why I've been attracted to the Enneagrams for years now is it's like she says it this way certain aspects of her four personality type um, are we could say that they're negative or dysfunctional or things like that so when she feels those patterns coming up in, and uh, the call to place her energy into them, she now knows that she can say, well, that's just the four personality. That's not who I am, you see. And that's, that's the thing that's helped me is saying, oh, this is how my ego operates. It operates through the, the patterns of this personality type, but I'm not the ego, so I don't have to operate that way. But I can understand now why I have these tendencies um, and but I have dominion. I don't have to operate from those patterns because they're not who I am. I am the I am. I'm still getting there, but I, I really I do. I have seen <clears throat> reading about the six that I am compassionate to how I've how I've chosen to the path I've chosen and all the things that seem to have happened to me. I'm really, really, uh, really totally understanding myself and compassionate to the self for that, that personality type they were doing. And it's really helped me to really love myself. Yes. You know, Carla, my best friend, she's a six and she's a psychotherapist. Well, she's a therapist she's a therapist and um she had a very 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 difficult childhood very difficult stuff with her parents mm -hmm. and she is a fantastic mother she has an amazing relationship with her daughter she is in such a wonderful marriage so wonderful and her husband adores her and she also, um, she, she's very, very um, sensitive, extremely hypersensitive on all levels. And she um, has the just great relationship with her grandchildren, with her, with everybody in her life. And um, it's all because of her ability, her personality's ability to look for uh, to, and to create that loving space around her because her early life was so hard and difficult that she has created this fantastic garden for everybody in her life to be a part of. Um, but her, her personality, she recognizes, and she studied the Enneagram too, is she's recognized her personality is fear-based. You know, and fear is a motivator for her. Yeah. Here's a motivator for her. And she's recognized that that's not a bad thing. Oh, I'm still getting there. I just feel like now that I understand myself better, <clears throat> I'm not so locked in. I don't feel so locked in to like, oh, man, that seems to be what's happening or whatever. <clears throat> and I realize, oh, 
that's just how I helped myself, you know, yeah. how I was assisting myself. And <clears throat> I don't know, it just it feels so much more freer now because, yeah. um, because I can see it as something I did in some way I was. It doesn't mean that's, that's not who I am. Yeah. So. You know, I, I would say, uh, Ron, I think it would really support you in your, your path of, of um, being that patriarch in your family to learn a bit more about the Enneagrams, to recognize what your mother, your wife, your daughter, your son, where they are in the Enneagram, and to just see where, how you relate to them, your type, their types. I really feel for you, you would really um, value that. Same with you, Sean, and your wife. Mm -hmm. Looking at it through the lens of the Enneagram. And so Rosalind's happy to uh, uh, talk with anybody about it through the community calls. So we're going to do one more class, but there's already, she's already done a couple of community calls and we did one class. So you can just, you can identify those in the podcast if you're interested. And she posted in the year two group, um, the link to an Enneagram test that she feels is the best one out there. It's $12 to take the test. You know, and uh, one of the things I've done is I've tried to get members of my family to uh, do that, but they, they're just like, no, not doing that. But that's okay. But she says it's more than just $12 to take the test. There's a lot of other support that comes oh. with it, too. Ah, okay. And, and, and it was interesting like, because I saw that my wife is a five and I'm a seven and it gave back some feedback on that and it was spot on. And if we can both get to the healthier levels, you yeah. know, totally enhance our relationship. Yeah, because five and seven are pretty opposite in a lot of ways, right? They're both in the thinking, um, the thinking section. But it was like exactly what we are, and it, it was interesting because it's really, it could be helpful. Awesome. I'm sorry, Carla. No, it's okay. She just spent the whole the whole MLC two community call. It's basically she taught yesterday too. So that's all. Yes, people are finding it very helpful. So I agree. Yeah, it just helps us to recognize the ego better. I think, and, and yeah. not, not identify with the patterns, to see that the patterns are something we chose to express through in order to heal our mind. Because this is an ego personality? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the intellect, yeah. Mm. All right. Yes. Well, isn't it interesting because I thought we were going to spend the whole class talking about the resurrection. <laughs> but we, we're, we are resurrecting through letting the people-pleasing pattern go. That we can love and be loved without ego manipulation. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude together and rejoice. Mm -hmm. at our ability to be authentic with each other and rejoice with our willingness to see these patterns without judging ourselves and our loved ones. So grateful and thankful that we are being called to 
reveal the higher love, to live in the higher love, to dance in the higher love, and to know that the higher love is all that we are, all that we ever will be. We're already there. So grateful and so thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for our resurrection. As we are lifted, all are lifted. So we're choosing resurrection. We're choosing to rise in love. Yes, it's happening. We don't have to make it happen. We're allowing it to happen. We're mm -hmm. allowing the healing. And we are grateful and thankful to celebrate it together. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. What you might do, what you might do in your uh, off time or your, your uh, community call is, uh, and of course, you could always invite Rosalind to attend your community call. I, will, I bet she would be so happy to do that today, your community call tonight. Um, but what you might consider doing is, um, so for instance, um, just trying to think, since I don't know what everybody is, but um, if, like, for instance, um, if one of you thought your, uh, you, you saw someone, oh, they have the same Enneagram type as you, to just make a time to talk with each other about that. What are you learning? What am I learning? Or if you, let's say, a significant other in your life is a personality type, like if one of you sees, oh, you're, you have a, a, a you know, a lot, close loved one who's a six and you're having trouble uh, relating to them, you could talk to Carla about what that six personality uh, experiences and, and, and so to help strategize because, well, strategize, um, help heal. Because um, I have a friend mm -hmm. who is a two and they are um, in a partnership with an eight and they're constantly saying, you know, boy, this and that about my partner. And I say, well, they're, they're doing that because they're an eight. That's how they relate to the world. So they're always going to relate to the world that way. But if you can see that it's really not you, it's how they relate to the world. And, and to appreciate how they relate to the world and to articulate how you see that they're trying to help you and trying to support you but they have a different point of view on what help and support is from you. And so you can ask the eight for the support and the love the way that you would like to receive it. And eights like to provide, so he probably will. But he'll still probably argue with you about what you should want or need. But it'll just bring you more intimacy and understanding. And that is ice cream and cake to an eight. So, um, yeah, so there you go. And the happier I am, the more I am like a seven. I see that. But when I am challenged, I go to five. So, Sean, I, I feel like I would understand both you and Evelyn. So there you go. Have fun. Bye.